hand into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And welcome, my friends, for taking this journey down the steps to the spoiler room, pulling up a chair with us tonight. And we are talking plastic surgery horror this week. Last week, I had to cancel the show. I was going to do one, but we're kicking it off this week with one that, uh, yeah, I kind of discovered out of the blue. And it turns out one of my fellow crew members knows the film, has seen the film, and decided to join me tonight to talk about uh, the circus of horrors from 1960. And tonight, as you imagine, with a British film, I have an expert of uh, spoiler room, British lore, and other fine things. It is none other than Doctavius. Doc, how are you doing, Steve? I'm all right. How's by you? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I'm drier. We're drier yeah. this week, so at least, so at least the floor is dry. I'm not sure about my uh, my beverage is rather wet, but you know, <laughs> those things go well. Well, I'm staying. I'm enjoying my beverage. So, well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying the beverage. What are you drinking tonight, sir? Uh, ginger beer and bourbon. Oh, well, uh, the movie wasn't that bad. No, 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 no. no. Find, <laughs> find Gosling's uh, ginger beer and a little bourbon in it. To oh, cool. Take the edge off of both of them. Nice. No, this is a fun film. I, I got no problem with this. That's why when you mentioned it, I'm like, wait, I know that film. Imagine, <laughs> again, like you kind of like you hinted, Matt, Steve knows about a British horror film. I'm shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I kind of figured you did. I wasn't quite sure, uh, uh, you know, and so I'm glad we could work this out tonight. Did you want to try to give the synopsis of Circus of Horrors? Um, yeah, I can do that. It, it shouldn't. It's it's simple and complicated at the same time. Yes. Um, there in back uh, near the end or just after World War II, there's a plastic surgeon named Dr. Rossiter played by the super cool Anton Differing. And if I got his pronunciation of his name wrong, I'm sorry. I'm used to reading these names, not hearing them. Mm -hmm. um, and he's got two assistants, a brother and sister. Uh, the sister is clearly in love with him. And the brother is kind of tied to him in that weird way that guys kind of get affixed to other guys sometimes where they like them and don't like them at the same time, but they can't help but do all the things that they get told to do, especially in movies like this. Yes. And there's a patient of his that where the surgery doesn't go well. And they explain it that he's like, I was doing everything right. She panicked and ran away and it's all her fault. But he gets disbarred in England. So rather than get arrested, they run away to France. And while they're in France looking for a place to kind of hide up, they come across a dilapidated circus with a gentleman who uh, uh, alcoholic gentleman played by a covered in hair, Donald Pleasance <laughs> and his young daughter who was injured during the war. And she's got a scar on her face and he goes, aha, he goes, I can fix this for you, for your daughter. Cause I'm super cool and slightly drunken, soon to be more drunken. Donald Pleasance goes, 
I can't afford that kind of thing. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I'll give you whatever you want, but I can't afford this. He goes, oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Fixes her up. Perfect. She's all happy. He's all happy. He goes, I told you I'd give you anything. He goes, give me the circus. He goes, I'll make it successful. We'll be partners, but you'll be the guy in charge. He goes, all right, that, how can this go wrong? And two minutes later, he's dead. Oh yeah. Killed, killed by his friend, the dancing bear. And we jump into about 10 years into the future. So now it's the late fifties. And basically he's gone around finding these disfigured women from whatever reason, mostly criminals that he fixes up. So now they owe him and he puts them to work. He trains them for the circus. And every time they decide that they're suddenly, uh, get a little huffy and decide that they're done with being in the circus or want to get uh, married to somebody, he makes sure they have an accident and they die. <laughs> and the cops figure out eventually, Hmm, too many people involved with the circus have died accidentally and then they hunt him down that's very well put um it was a little longer than i anticipated no that <laughs> no it's okay i mean it's a, it's a spoiler room so you can say that but well there's also that too i mean, uh, just, i thought i could be more concise that's no, all it's, it, i it's was a, having fun it's a fascinating story and in all honesty i just picked this randomly because i was looking for uh plastic surgery horror and I think most people kind of associate plastic surgery horror to newer films, mm -hmm. you know, well, I mean, newer as in the last 30 years, you know, eighties yeah. in the nineties and that, you know, I, and it fascinated me that this was 1960 and it was set in 1947. <laughs> like, yeah. That's where it starts anyway. And, yeah, and it, I think I, when I picked this up, I think it was kind of random too. I don't think I was hunting for it. I think it was one of those, Hey, anchor Bay put this out and Hey, look, this looks like fun. And <laughs> eventually I watched it and went, I was right. This is fun. <laughs> it, it's a solid story. I'm looking at this going, how has someone not picked this up and tried to remake it? Oh, there's yeah. I could totally see that. And it, it's, it's very much a movie of its time and yet not at the same point. Yeah, well, because I loved since you know when he first is doing a surgery, it's 1947, and I love the little bit of subtext in the opening, you know, section where he's on the run. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, in true British fashion, the film starts off in the middle of things. Yes. So, <laughs> and they're dropping some heavy exposition in the car between the two cops, and you're like, "Wait, I'm trying to listen. Wait, I can't turn the siren down." Wait, you're giving me all these details. And the cop goes on the run and he runs across this little girl. And I'm like, oh, nice little subtext about how the war is still affecting kids because they, he runs into that kid who was affected by the war and like one or two other people as well. Yeah. Who were, they bring up the war and you're just like, oh, yeah, because they're in France and it's in 47. And it's not like the war just ended for people and everything was happy unicorns and rainbows. Exactly. Yeah. Because but, they, they talk about France being uh, in poverty. Yeah. Cause it's like Donald Ple uh, uh, Venet is like, no one has money for you know, the fun. You know, everybody's still trying to scramble to survive and rebuild everything. And he goes, that's, that's why the circus isn't making any money. Nobody's got money to come out and see what I have left here. Yeah. So. Cause he had a lot of people leave and people don't have money because France is poor because it got annihilated during the war. 
Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting line, but Donald Pleasant's showing up. Holy crap. <laughs> I did so young. I know. And hairy, like I joke. <laughs> I've never seen that much hair on that man's head except for in this film. Even I think I think I've seen him in one other earlier piece, and I think he didn't have his hair quite so long, so it wasn't quite as much of a shock. Because at first you look, you go, why does that guy look for, oh, it's Donald Pleasant. that's why. Yeah, because it's his eyes. I mean, yes. I saw him in the credits, and I'm watching the movie, and as I'm watching the movie, I'm going, when's he going to show up? <laughs> I'm yeah. going, where's Donald Pleasant? Where's Donald? And then at one point when he's talking to uh, – Doctor, you know, who named changed his name to Dr. Schuler eventually. Yes. Uh, he's talking to him. I'm looking at his face, going, Oh, that's pleasant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the eyes gave him away, you know, but the rest of them, yeah, you don't you, and the, the voice a little, but he's talking with a French accent. Just so, enough, yeah. And it throws all that off. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap, no wonder he's doing so good. But everybody does well in here. Um, yeah. Oh, would you? I mean, you mentioned that it was complex yet simple. I mean, uh, do you remember when you first watched this or whatnot? Uh, you know, it, did it surprise you just how kind of a solid film, especially for its time and what type of film it is uh, um, that you were watching? It was one of those deals where I th I thought it would be a good time. I had no real doubt in that, and and. Even that it's, I guess this is kind of a, you know, not intentionally, it's kind of referred to as a loose trilogy, even though they're not related films. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a few things like that where it's kind of thematically, you know, this, this, there's a few of these that came out at the same time. So they kind of get lumped together and I've seen, uh, horrors of the black museum with Michael. Oh, Go, yeah. mm -hmm. And that is very similar in a lot of ways because it's bloody and but it's not it's that kind of it's not really gory in any way and it's horror is a black museum at least the print i saw it was kind of cut to a point where it was very finely done where there was a lot of stuff you didn't see mm -hmm. and in this one you see more of what's going on at certain times and they they the editing in this is really solid i'll say that and i'm not somebody who knows much about that so i can't i'm not usually inclined to comment on it but like during that uh the sequence near the end with melina and the oh yes yeah. i'm like i can see all the little bits where they're piecing this together but if you relax and try not to it you can it's it's done very well i thought where they don't linger on any of the the, the non-coherent <laughs> shots long enough where they really would go where you go oh that was a guy in a lion suit that's not an actual line in that section of the corner, you know, and it's not like focused on or anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and, and a lot of the attack, you know, it's, so there's this, and that's where I think it kind of gets deep because it, it was more violent than I expected. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, like it, in your face, violent. Like yeah, holy crap. Certain things, you know, and because this is again, we're at you know, this is 1960s, so we're a few years into Hammer Horror, and you can see the influence there, but it's gone in a different direction. Mm -hmm. Where the Hammer films are very, you know, there's there's the supernatural base for all. You've got a, a, a you know, a, a homunculus, you know, with the Frankenstein creature. You got a, a vampire. You got a mummy. You got a Wolfman. You got a something else. This is all people doing yeah. bad things to each other. <laughs> 
yeah it, it's almost like early grindhouse in many ways or you know this this is the beginning you could see this being a beginning baby steps to uh where the roughies will come in in another couple of years in america mm -hmm. and then from that you get what is kind of known as the exploitation grindhouse you know so yeah this is this is like the grandfather of some of those you know 70s films i would Be say sure because none of your main characters in here really are good people i mean outside of maybe the cop the the rest of well and the little girl who 10 years later she's 18 so yeah those two but everybody else i mean you've got dr schuler you know rasta you got uh and then his two uh, helpers angela and martin yeah you know the majority of the circus performers are uh former criminals i mean the first one that he fixes up is a prostitute who that stabs her john <laughs> that stabs her john to steal the money it's like uh, played by uh, Erica Remberg. Uh, her character is Alyssa Caro, who makes it, who's a major player throughout the film, basically. Yes. Um, you know, but I mean, all these people are kind of seedy. Yeah. And there's really no good people in here. And it's just like, wow. And I'm watching all the elements and the way the story is and what I'm like, this really is got some seeds for, you know, if it was made a few years later, it'd probably have a few more extreme scenes in it and been, pure exploitation in the u.s <laughs> yeah no i think it would have been that much harder yeah five mm -hmm. even maybe a couple of years later yeah the um, the one main thing i i don't remember if i noticed it the first time i know i kind of was kind of half paying attention and then started after i thought it i i focused and it is a very in that regard it's a very tight film because everything every scene every character even if he's not on screen at that point everything is about anton differing's rossiter slash schuler character it if, is it, it is the main plot and if the, if he's not on screen somebody's talking about him mm -hmm. and everything because at first i'm like to be fair to be fair, my brain first was kind of doing the okay all the girls like this dude okay that's kind of at the time and i'm like no wait a minute it's it's more than that even the guys talk about him everybody talks about you know because it's that he is the driving force of this film and he's so good because he's such a great bad guy <laughs> he's a fantastic bad guy i mean you know, I mean, you know, he's a bad guy because, uh, you know, even though we had the exposition, we see him trying to run away from the cops at the very beginning and he just runs down a cop. I mean, he just he mows no that time. dude down. <laughs> he didn't even slow down. And, you know, and he's got two minions with him, basically, mm -hmm. who follow him because they have some weird devotion to him because they're, they're admiring his vision at first, which he has which I love the fact they never go into what the exact magical technique Dr. Rassiter uh, slash Schuler, uh, what his technique is. No, it's just that it was, you know, it made people who were horrendously scarred, especially in the face, look fantastic. It's fantastic plastic surgery, but they never go into what his technique was, which I loved that mystery. Yet these two hanger ons, you know, I mean, he treats them like shit. Yeah. And they're still helping him out for the most part. I mean, until uh, things completely break down, but yeah. Cause, he, yeah. Did, did they, and I'm not that I, 
we were talking about this. Now, all of a sudden, I can't remember. Did they give him a background as to where he developed the idea? No. Because of because it's him and because of his accent and everything, I'm like, okay, it's 47. It, he, they, he's... Is he English he's German? Is, I was gonna say he's German or Austrian. He's German. So and I caught where, that. Where they, did he practice his <laughs> skills before this? Exactly. My mind started to play at that too because he just says his technique. That's uh-huh. all he describes it as. My special technique will make you beautiful. And that's the most we get. But he's German. It's 47. Yeah, mm. you can put the <laughs> implications there as well i think yeah. which, are, which are intentional of how he because he is working on modifying his technique right um he's, and he's, that he's a mad scientist he is essentially he, yeah he's a straight up mad scientist and like you said the woman in the beginning who uh you know she was the um evelyn uh, evelyn yeah evelyn uh, uh morley uh that makeup looks gruesome too uh, but, uh, you know, even and the opening snaps, yeah, he's just screaming and yelling. And so, and cause her face is like half melted at that point. And it's like, yeah. And like you said, it's a decent makeup too, where you go, Ooh, and they don't, they linger on it long enough where you get a good look at it, but not long enough where you can go, Oh yeah, I can see where it's, you know, spirit gum to her head or something like that, you know? Yeah, and and so you've got her, and her his technique failed with her, but that's because she wasn't a good patient. She would either way. I told she, her there would be more surgeries. She's not, yeah. not you know, it's all her fault. It, it's all her fault, and uh, it's not yeah. the, not the procedure's fault. It's all her fault. No, it isn't because his procedure is flawless, and Schuler is is such an arrogant asshole, <laughs> but he's actually got some charisma to him. Oh, totally. You can't be that guy and not have that level of, you know, because otherwise you just drive every, you know, it wouldn't make sense why anybody would want to hang out with him, but he is super cool. If, you know, and then he's, I mean, there were a couple of times in this movie where I'm like, why are you telling him your plan? Yeah. Because <laughs> and, and, and right? sometimes they would explain it like, uh, like Erica at one point, mm-hmm. find, or not Erica, uh, Alyssa finds out some mm-hmm. stuff about the, the cop that's snooping around. And goes right to him and tells him, and I'm like, why would you? And I, and then she goes at the end, well, I want my billing. And I'm like, oh, that's why. She's got to prove she's got something over him. But then yeah. five, ten minutes later, after he gets attacked by the gorilla that hates his guts, <laughs> he's like, oh, he rips half you know, a good chunk of his face off. And he's like, oh, these are superficial. And Martin's like, no, those are pretty deep. Yeah, they're like, okay, you're gonna have to operate on me, and I'll walk you through it. It's gonna be a local like we did last time. Oh, by the way, he looks like dead at Angela. Oh, by the way, I wanted you to know I'm marrying that that right big knockers I just fixed up. <laughs> Dude, why would you tell her that? Yeah, she's gonna operate on your face. I mean, well, that's because that's his arrogance played exactly. in. Exactly, that was his what hubris or whatever was the fact that you'll be happy he, for me. You don't. Why would you care? Yeah, you've been happy for me for ten years. You've been in love with me while I've been, you know, shagging all these uh, all of my patients who yeah. become stars and then they want to leave and then you know befall some horrible accident so much so their circus is now named the jinx circus <laughs> yeah but you know 10 years yeah you know what 
I'm going to marry this woman here. Operate on me. I'm like, mm -hmm. dude, I'm like, dude. Okay. That took some nuts, man. I ain't gonna <laughs> lie. Cause I'm, I just went, Oh, that's a bad idea. Dude. <laughs> Why'd you do that? <laughs> and then I went, why do I care? You're the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, because oh, he, the way, the way Anton Deffering plays this character as all the horrible things that Dr. Schuler does, you're actually kind of rooting for it. He's got it very well laid out. I mean, and, and the movie explains it because mm -hmm. though it's set up, it, it, the, the, like the first act is the prologue. It's all that, you know, right after the war part and basically sets up him getting the circus, figuring out how they're going to populate it and goes to his minions. I'll take pictures of them before and after I'll have a, we'll have a, keep a dossier on everybody. We can blackmail them if they try and leave. It'll be perfect. They can't get anything on us then. And I'm like, you've just like looped, closed a lot of the loopholes that most people would probably think of for this story. Got it all just tightly knotted right there. And I'm like, and just the next hour or so is just all, whoo, hey, it worked out until it didn't. Yeah. Well, that's why he, this actually, like you said, the film is dated, yet it felt modern because. This character actually is a smart for the most for most of the film until it gets the better of him. He's got this later. He's a smart villain. A, yeah. And it's, you're you're like, I'm watching Circus of Horrors, it's called from 1960. And here I have this really well-written villain. <laughs> yeah, you don't normally there's that expectation where he's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be Bella or or you know, and he's just like, I will do this because it's awesome. You know, <laughs> I am a bad guy, bleh, you know, and it's not that he's, he, 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 again, we said he's the mad scientist, but he's focused and he's not a stupid, crazy mad scientist. Hmm. He just has this vision he has to fulfill because then that next, you know, the hour, once the circus is popular, it's about getting back to London so he can kind of rub it in everybody's face. Yeah, he he got, can... I got kicked out of England. Well, I may not stand up at the end of it and go, ha, 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 I'm that guy you kicked out, but he's going to prove to himself he was the one that was the better man. Right. He he wanted to prove at, at all that it was right because he was right because it was eating at him, even though the circus, he could have just lived with the circus for 10 years and avoided London. It was eating at him that yeah. they didn't believe in him. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm a criminal. No, I'm not. You know, and that's that's what that's his downfall is because he has to have that last little goal to achieve. Because like he's he could have just kept touring and shagging all these hot women, and <laughs> whew, yeah, you know. Ham, we, again, we talk. You know, the hammer horror is you, there's the the hammer beauty. You know, there's mm -hmm. always that. Usually, man, this one's just just overflowing with very attractive women from that time period. Some of which were also in hammer horror, but at the same time, it's just like, dude. Oh yeah. A lot of them. I, I was looking blood, up there blood and hot ladies, you know, it was very, <laughs> I was looking up their list of, you know, of the actresses and what other things they've been in. All of them are, you know, fairly accomplished actresses. Even at this time, they've all been in other things, you know? Uh, so it's not like they just grabbed a bunch of extras either. They grabbed, <laughs> Uh, people right. with experience and such, which again, like I said, it may sound uh, off, but I'm just like for a movie like this with the title and, and what type of film it is, you don't expect this type of talent, even in the 
smaller uh, supporting roles. It, it's it's an exploitation title, and you you expect a lower budget. You know, mm-hmm. and no offense to all the stuff that we love. <laughs> Well, no, there, there is that kind of expectation. Okay. It's going to be lower budget. There's going to be a lot of people on their way up and a few people on their way down and, and it's going to be good, but it, it, we're going to have to cover over paper over some of these, you know, mm-hmm. gaps in our brains. And this movie's not that movie. This no, movie, like you, you keep saying, this is a very solid, I find it very entertaining. It's got a very low rating on, the, you know, on yeah. whatever the Plex pulls numbers from, but I'm I'm looking at it going, that's not it. This this is not no fifty eight. <laughs> no, it it's not at all. I mean, if you if you if you pay attention to it a little bit and see what's going on, I mean, never mind the fact that they've actually got, and when we say circus, they actually have circus performer footage in here. Yeah. for chunks of time that are real performers. So you've got actual acts going on, stunts in that. So yeah. uh, the Alyssa Caro character played by Erica, I don't know if she did, she probably didn't do her own part, but whoever they got to be the actress to do her stunt is actually doing this dangerous stunt with the it, hangman's noose. It's, it's probably the actual circus performer for i'm guessing this part i don't know i didn't dig deep enough into this um but because they said they actually uh had an actual circus there that they oh, were okay. getting and you could see you know the audience footage and then you could see kind of where it'll go back and forth between performer footage and then but it looks like they they modeled all the costumes for the actors and actresses based on whoever was in the circus and then used that to piece it together and like I said, with the editing, they did a good job of where, you know, because a lot of the performer shots are, at, you know, like with, with her doing the aerial work, it's mm-hmm. at a distance. You can't see her face. And if they do a close-up, you can, you know, that's a close-up. She's not up, you know, however many feet in the air. So, and and I think the the other main difference between the first time I watched this and, and this time this week is that I've been privileged to be around a lot of not really well it's their circus performers to some degree they do a lot of i've known people that do similar stunts right so i have a better feel for what some of this takes even at, at you know where they're not at at such a height mm-hmm. maybe for the aerial work or even some of the sideshow stuff and just knowing some of the effort that it takes to do those things and it's that much some of those scenes impacted me i think a little tighter now because i'm like I, I know what's involved now for some reason that <laughs> I don't remember what happens next, but I'm feeling very anxious right now. I hope she does. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Like with the, with the aerial thing, they trick you on that one. I, I was like, oh, I forgot that. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's hanging. The hangman's noose. This lady hangs by her neck and gets spun around in the air. And her body's, you know, is straight out as she's spinning in a circle. And uh, it's pretty actually <laughs> edge of your seat kind of tense. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Just for reference, I looked it up. Uh, it was an actual circus. Yeah, and it was called uh, Billy Smart's Circus, and it was one of three big tenting circuses in the United Kingdom at the time. That was handy that they could keep that S for Schuler, huh? That they make a note of that in, in the <laughs> trivia. They said that's probably why uh, his name was Schuler, so that the it would match the initials, since uh-huh. the boards had B and uh, B S uh, circus on it. So that way it would match the the. Uh, the footage that they the, shot. The, the footage that yeah. they shot. But, you know, what I found interesting is for the the deaths in this film where they're 
accidents, you're watching it. And I found myself, in spite of myself for a 1960s film, actually feeling tense. I tensed up waiting to see if the per the actress, you know, the, the character was going to die because they'd say something to Schuler and he'd say a few lines or get that look. And then they go out and perform and you're just like, okay, is it going to happen now? And, and you wait for it. And then it doesn't. And then you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh, wait, why is she out for a knife throwing demonstration? Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that, and that again, that's why I think I like this one so much because again, you know what's going to happen, but you don't know what's going to happen. And I, I, I got that tension too, because even I just finished watching it, a, you know, about an hour mm -hmm. or so ago, and with the the how they deal with Alyssa at the end, she's doing the the neck thing, and I'm like, okay, okay, oh crap, oh crap, you know, getting very anxious while I'm watching this, and I'm like, I I've seen this. I, it's been long enough where I don't remember, but I've seen this and I know it's not going to go well. And then, oh, I think everything is, oh, sh you know, again, yeah. that's why they, they, they managed to fake you out enough on some of this where it, things don't happen quite as telegraphed as you would expect. Right. So it does add, they, 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 it's, at least for me, I felt the actual tension built and that's not something that's easily done. We've seen enough films where. They're supposedly trying to build tension and nothing happens. Right. And this but, one, it works for me more often than it didn't. And and it's the way, I think it goes back partly to what you were saying before, is the, the actual tight editing of mm -hmm. this film, the way everything plays out, there's no, and people probably, if you watch enough films, you can recognize if there's some extra fat or whatnot. There's no fat to this story every scene pretty much is moving the story and the plot. You know, even when you get to the cops, when we get a few of their scenes where they're in the desk and, and the one cop aims is, is trying to uh, build his case against Schuler. Um, even that dialogue, all of that is centered around Schuler. It, it's centered around the circuit. It's centered around moving this plot, which I loved. You don't get, even with the hinted romance that they have between Ames and the now grown-up girl uh, yeah. who Schuler fixed because it's 10 years later. Yeah. Nicole. Nicole. That even works into the plot and deals with deferring. It's not like some off romance that they just have. It's there's no. It's not a B-plot. No. There is, there is no B-plot in this film. Mm-mm. That there is none, which you know also surprised me because it's just like holy crap. <laughs> yeah, and there's not that five minutes where we do the cops just talk and kind of build a character or something like that. Like you said, no, it just it keeps moving. Yeah, and it, and which is impressive for a film that runs just under an hour and a half. Because mm -hmm. at that point, mo so many of those films are sixty minute films. That yeah. have about 20 to 30 minutes of stuff that are there just to fill out the running time because that's the only way they could sell it. Yeah. And and I, I loved that, you know. And, and again, Anton Deffering just makes he's the centerpiece, and it's great that he is because he's so good in this. Uh that, you know, and, and the editing, they do well with the guys in the suit. I mean, the dancing bear. Yeah. Mad props to him. You know what's going to happen. Donald Pleasant's drunk off his ass, and he gets him over to the bear, and you're like, oh, okay, I see how this is going to happen. 
but they they keep the camera angled enough where you're like, wait, is that no, that's a guy in a suit. Wait. Right. <laughs> and the other thing, again, with that, even that sequence, it doesn't go immediately the way you would anticipate because it's right after they've signed the contract. So it's like, oh, you know, Dr. Shula now is like the silent partner in this circus that supposedly he still is going to be running and owning. He and Vanet is drunk off his butt, brings the bottle of wine, wants to go dance with his bear friend. And while he's dancing with the bear, he drops his bottle of wine. It shatters. So it's not like, you know, Schuler does anything to get him or pokes him in it. it. It's that part is all accident. The bottle shatters, the bear steps on it, the bear freaks out and attacks. Schuler goes running to go help and then decides not yes. to interfere. Which, so which it's is, that moment where he, you can see him make the decision to go, you know what? I'm going to let this just kind of go through. I can play this. This will work. But instinctively, he goes to go get the stick that'll help. Right. Then, you know, you can see his face change, and I love that. Yeah, well, he gets the realization, this actually works in my favor, so I don't have to kill this guy later. Mm -hmm. I don't have to figure out a way to get rid of him later. Because you know that was in the back of his mind. I mean, you're sitting there the minute he says, oh, make me partner, and you're just like, Oh shit. Okay. There's no doubt in anybody's mind he's gonna bump him off at some point. And it's just but again, it's still not instinctive for him. And right. That's interesting to me. Because then it means he's not defaulting to evil. He's not a he's not just a one note, you know, I will, you know, as soon as I have the chance, I'm gonna stab you in the back guy. Yeah. But it's there. Mm-hmm. He's he is evil enough where it's like, okay, I can see this. Even if I save him now, he'll probably still die. But you know, he makes he can make it look good. It just happened. You know, what are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> he's, you know. he's drunk and the bear got him. What am I gonna do? I'm not gonna fight a bear. I'm not a stupid idiot. You know, accidents happen. You know, you know, it's just an accident, and it's the first of so many accidents that would happen. Yeah, which uh, I love that. That you know, after ten years, he had a little bit of a refined experience. Um, and he, he always seemed to manage to find someone who, you know, which, which you're just like, holy crap, there's a lot of scarred people in London, <laughs> in France, I should say. Well, they, they were touring at that point. They're not yeah. all in France. Yeah. So they, you know, Cause they were in Berlin. I yeah. Think, they were they Berlin, jumped 10 yeah. years in the future. So Europe still had, you know, a lot of roughed up people. A lot of, yeah, a lot of roughed up people, but it was, I, I just thought that was interesting uh, with his body trail of bodies, which uh, again, all the, the ladies that are his uh, victims uh, or his, you know, kind of prisoners all were talented. And I, I, I enjoyed them, especially the Alyssa character, you know, who was his, basically his first yeah employee, uh, Erica Remberg. I liked her quite a bit because she, she wasn't, she was a fairly strong female character, I think. She stood up for herself. I liked that too. Yeah. She was she was definitely you know, she was I'm good at this now. You cannot deny me that. You got to, you know, give me my representation and such. Which might explain why she survived the longest over 10 years because even though she didn't get top billing, she seemed to play the smartest angle cuz some of the other ladies, you could kind of tell uh 
they were just victims of the war and such. And so they weren't, they didn't think as deep or whatnot, but uh, Alyssa, I mean, you know, cause he had the one, uh, who was it? Uh, Magda who was leaving, who was the title, his, his, his uh, headliner for a while, who did the weird act on top of a horse who jumped through the, the, the ring of death or whatever the ring of I forget death. What it was called. It was all yeah, the knives that kind of point through and every time, you kind of go, is this the time where they're going to do something and it's going to stab her? Yeah, especially when every she, time when she talked about how she was going to go off and get married and you're like, oh, and then it's, you know, the young girl who he saved is going to take over her act. But I'm like, oh, great. Why'd you tell Dr. Death this? Yeah. And so she's practicing it with the blades and the whole audience is just waiting for him to make a noise or something that caused the, the horse to jump and land yeah. in the night. But that's not how she died. <laughs> or, you know, just somebody bumps it and. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. She, no. She Lots, again, die. back to tension. It's all about yeah. there's a lot of tension that builds because you're just waiting. Is this, this is the obvious way. It's got to be this. Oh, it wasn't that. Oh, maybe everything. Oh, no, everything won't be okay. Yeah. Because you know what type of character he is. That's why it was. Yeah. It was interesting. It was like, holy crap. It's her last night. And she survived her normal performance. Oh, well, maybe this isn't going to go the way. Why is she coming out? Wait, she's volunteering for a knife throwing uh, act. Okay. There, there was an, another thing about a list. Cause it, it, as much as, again, this is very focused. Yeah. They, there are these little, little brush strokes or whatever you, whatever you will to call them. Um, after, uh, the aerialist Alyssa dies. Mm -hmm. the first guy out there is that one like main clown. Yeah. And he's holding her hand and kind of, and it's like, oh, and at first it's like, okay, maybe this is part of his job. You know, he's, you know, we, you don't really see him too much. You see him a little bit here and there. And then, you know, they, they take her out and then you get that brief scene. He goes back to his, his little tent and he, he's got almost nothing in it, but he's got a mirror. Mm-hmm. And he's got a picture of her and he just takes it down, gives it that sad look. And then that's it. And yeah. it's like, oh, sh <laughs> were you guys a thing or was you just a thing for her? Or either way, it's like, he has no lines. That clown has no dialogue. And he gets that one little character moment and it's perfect too for, he does it so well. I don't even know what that guy's name was, but it was just delightful. I, I don't even know if they, you know, they, they I don't him. think they credited him. I don't think they credit him either, but whoever it was, yeah, that moment was just like, yeah. And sometimes with no dialogue, you don't get a credit. And I'm like, especially at that point, now they credit everybody. But yeah. at that point, if you didn't have dialogue, you weren't on the list. And I'm like, dude, he did such a nice little character. It's beautiful. It added that extra bump that is miserable as you're or as tough or whatever you want to call that character this guy loved her yeah yeah well they played at it a couple of times because they they would sh they would cut to him watching her when she would perform so yeah you knew he performed you know he, he there was maybe something there but you weren't sure how far and then you're like oh okay that yeah that was a nice little touching moment <laughs> <laughs> and and it made it so you too where it wasn't just like oh these women die and it's just for us as an audience in the movie to go oh no another gal died oh it's horrible <laughs> it it made it no it, it because 
we've seen those movies too, you know, where it's just like, ah, they're just fodder. And it's just for us to be amused by how creatively they die. And it's like, no, it added that little depth where it's like, no, people cared about these people that are dying. It's not just, oh, we're all screaming and running from the the mass killer or anything like that, you know, where it might've been in a slasher 30 years later. Yeah. They, they give these characters, these, these ladies enough screen time. So they aren't just, the bodies the body count yeah you know? i mean each one of them, like the the last lady the lady that was uh replacing um Alyssa, uh, uh yeah the the, the, the character. Bird. yeah the the one that went in with the lions at the end right yeah they're playing her as helen of troy or whatever melina and uh you know they give her enough screen time to where she's not just another victim to uh, enough for you to care not to happen to her and you just get more skeeved as you watch the doctor play out his gaslighting on her on every woman and you watch him just do it so precision sharp like you know pardon my pun but a a scalpel to where he (laughs) but he he plays it just right with them yeah real realistically that's the only one we see from well beginning to end yeah the other ones we come into after they've either you know there's that jump where we don't see the middle we see maybe you know like with uh, Alyssa, you see the beginning right and and the but you don't see the middle where he's you know mentally and physically abused her or anything like that or even if it's not officially you know he's kind of he's manipulating them he's manipulated them certainly yeah to get what he wants out of them definitely even if you know you could argue whatever he's he's not if that's why it's weird at the end mm-hmm. because he has this history we know he has this history we've developed the way that all the women interact with him and how he's interacted with them like when magna's like i'm leaving he starts like kissing on her again and she's like dude yeah. no <laughs> no we're not doing this anymore and then he's like all right i'm sorry it's like he's thought that was gonna work and it's yeah. just kind of weird because it's that He's just kind of like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll I'll knock it off. You know, like I can pretend to be a gentleman for a minute. You know, it's like, no, you can't. Yeah, but he, he would resort to the more masher, more direct moments when all of his other tools wouldn't work. Yeah, but then once he, because he, you know, he he Melina, he fixes her face, he starts training her, he starts, he builds her confidence back up, and everything like that. You know, it's all obviously the stuff he's done with so many other women and then he goes oh i love her yeah i'm gonna marry her say angela right before we're gonna fix my face and she's like what kind of dumbass are you You but then after when when she get when the lions are not sedated like they're supposed to be and she stumbles and they just just tear her up he looks legitimately freaked out at you know, terrified. It's not like he's like, Oh, all right. Well, I'll have to find another large breasted brunette. I suppose, you know, it's there. He's like, Oh my God. Oh, what happened? Oh, this is horrible. And then that's her name is his last words. Yeah. So it's like, again, there's that extra little depth there where you're not completely sure of everything going on in his brain. He's not so one dimensional where it's just like evil. <laughs> well, and that's like his weird hanger on Angela and Martin who Angela is played by Jane uh, 
Hilton, and she did so such a good job. You're just sitting there going, why are these people still with him after 10 years? You know, the Martin character, you can kind of see because he just intimidates him. It just, yeah. you know, it, and Angela, you know, it makes you wonder if she is more there. Well, because she drops that great line. What was it? Um, with one of the earlier girls, I think it was with Alyssa, maybe, uh, where or Magda, that's what it was. It was Magda. Uh, after he gets all kind of mashy and she comes in mm. um, and Magda goes, how could you stay with him knowing that Angela loves Schuler? Yeah. And she's like, how can you just be so loyal and stay with him for so long, you know, and put up with this. And she's just like, patience, my dear, you wait for your time. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> she thinks eventually he's going to come around. Yeah. And it's like, Yeah. We, we've, we've all known that person for better mm -hmm. or for worse, where they're just standing there waiting, going when so-and-so gets done running around, they'll realize I've been here this whole time and I've been waiting. And, and we've seen those movies too, where that's the thing that's, doesn't have a John Hughes movie or something that's right there. Hughes movie, at least where one. it's just like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just gonna stay here because eventually, you know, Rob, Molly Ringwall will see I'm the best. <laughs> It'll take me out of the friend zone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's just kind of a side thing. But that's still again back to Schuler. But I yes. love the Angela character. And yeah, you, you know. When you're sitting there and and near the end there, you're like, dude, get get yourself some new some new minions because you've lost these two finally after ten years. Um, and then yeah, that final act because he's in London, and so uh, uh, Evelina, uh, Eveline uh, shows back up. Yes, Evelyn. Yeah, that's, Evelyn, that's the, the British pronunciation of Evelyn. Yes, thank you. Or at Evelyn. least her pronunciation, Evelyn. Yes. Evelyn, who shows up because Ames, who is the inspector posing as a reporter, throws turns it into a fundraising event. So, you know, Schuler can't really turn this down. And he's he's just thinking, oh, hey, I can turn this into an opportunity to, uh, you know, show off my latest creation. What I loved, though, is because this was after you said uh, the gorilla attacked. Yeah. And what I caught right away and I loved it and it. It, it had to be on purpose. You have, uh, you know, morally, you have uh, Evelyn with her face. Uh huh. And the left side of her face uh -huh. is what was destroyed. And the right side of his face uh -huh. is destroyed. So when they look at each other, they're looking it's, at a mirror. They're looking at the same side as messed up. And it helps, it helps, it, it causes that like you say mirror image and at the same time it helps kind of sell why she might not immediately recognize him because supposedly near the beginning they do plastic surgery on him to make him look different which all they did was get rid of shave his beard beard essentially is what it looks like they got rid of his master beard you know? yeah yes exactly yeah he this evil beard got shaved off so clearly he turned good you know he went from the mirror mirror universe back to ours um because i'm like so from our perspective we go he looks the same he still looks like you know anton differing he just took his facial hair off but 
that that sells for that moment that oh maybe she wouldn't recognize him because he looks it's been 10 years and he looks a little different and it's the ring that gives him away yeah <laughs> he's wearing this jewelry that he never takes off yeah and uh Again, that's his arrogance making him a little blind to some of the details because he mm -hmm. thinks he's just so getting away with this. And it's great, folks. And yes, this is a spoiler room. And this is one of the great endings. This I it's like such tense and filled because the last like 10 minutes of this film, there's a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot going on throughout the whole film, but you get this last like climax. The cops have verification kind of that. Uh, Schuler's the bad guy, uh, so they're going to go arrest him. Uh, he's got his Helen of Troy in the lion's den, which doesn't have the sedated lions because Martin and Angela have turned on him. So, and he's actually seems to be attached to uh, this one, Melina. Yeah. So you've got Melina dies. You've got the cops show up. You got Schuler go on the run, and uh, he's tearing ass. He's, He's tearing ass through everyone. He's he's throwing benches on people, and, and well, cops. He, he he goes to a, he goes to challenge Angela and Martin first. Well, yeah, and then when he's like, "Well, the heck with this," he turns out this this like little conductor's whip thing he's been carrying around has an ice pick in it. <laughs> goes to stab Martin. His sister jumps in front of him, takes the shot in the back. Yeah, for him. And he tears off, so he gets and she has a grand death scene. It made oh, me sure. feel made me feel guilty about how poor mine have been of late. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm like, ooh, she yeah, she probably got stabbed in the lung. That gotta hurt, you know. It's yeah, deflating and it's oh miserable, lovely. Yeah, and she, she screamed too, which brought the cops because they were already searching for Schuler. You know, Martin as he runs away lets the gorilla loose. Yeah, gorilla, that was great. So he's got a cops running after him. He's got a gorilla running after him for a while. And I'm like, I'm waiting for the gorilla to like drop down on him from like a tree or something. And Evelyn, who we got, who saw in the beginning, she has her husband go into the gas station to get her something. She hops in the car, turns the car around, comes back to the circus, and she sees Schuler and runs his ass down. In a mirror image of the beginning of the film, when yes. he runs down the cob, runs him down. And it was like the, the little loop that causes is I'm like, man, that's solid. I like that. The the film comes full circle and you didn't even expect it because you're like, oh, the gorilla's gonna get him. Yeah, okay, you know, the cops are finally gonna get him. Oh, you know, something he's because they even take he gets run, he runs into the circus tent, and you're like okay, cops are going to get him or, or something's going to fall on him. Yeah. Or he's trying to escape and an accident's happened. No, no, no. Oh, is he going to get away? And here she comes and she gets this look on her face of delight and just mows him down in front of cops and everything. She, much like Schuler, you know, Rossiter at that point did with the bear. Yeah. There's that moment where it's like, do I help? Nope. Mm -hmm. And she gets that look where it's like, oh, I have time to... I'm not stopping. Fuck this guy. <laughs> she, she's and like, bam. No, I'm hitting the gas. <laughs> she, she hits the gas. She hits the gas. Make sure <laughs> she clips that dude. And I just, I was like, 
I did not see that one coming at all. The other the other moment like that where I'm like, okay, this is what's going to happen and and doesn't is when they're taking Alyssa out on the stretcher. Mm. And she mm -hmm. starts trying to talk going past Ames and he's like, wait a second. And it's like, okay, it's this dramatic moment. She's got her potentially what could be her last breaths and she's trying to say something that's going to, and she just kind of, you know, she's like desperately trying to say something and never gets a word out. Nope. Every other film she would have said Rossiter with her last breath, you know, in three syllables, four syllables, can't get a word out. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah, you have nice. that move, moment where you go like, okay, well, here it comes. She's going to say it, and everybody's going to look at Roster, and he's going to run. No. Nope. That's not the thing that gets him. And then you see Ames really disappointed because he was hoping for it in front of him that she yeah, wouldn't say it. And Schuler's sweating. He's yeah. right next to him just sweating like, crap, 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 crap. Oh, Whew, she's dead. Huh, she died. She didn't say my name. I'm good. Yeah, yeah we're the jinx circus. Let's move on. There's just enough little twists in this where it doesn't play out just as a traditional stereotypical whatever that make this so much. And, and as much as I'm talking so it's this is not like the weirdest hidden gem, or, but this is a solid B plus type. No, this is something where if you got a chance to watch this, yeah. It, this is worth a watch, definitely. It is, it is not worth the, the six point whatever on IMDb. This is no this is for especially the period and the type of film that it really is, it is surprisingly well done on all angles to where you're just like, wow, this is actually has a bit of a modern feel. That's why I say I'm surprised no one's really tried it because I'm looking at this yeah. going, you just have to change a few things, and this easily could be told in a mod, you know, yeah. kept the same way, just with a modern, I'm like easily because of the, the way it's written and the way everybody performs it. It's, it's just that solid film. And yeah, there are gore special effects and there's only one, one thing in this film. I will say that dates us at 1960. Okay. There's, there's one thing. All this the, the damn song. Oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's it's very much a 50s pop song and they play it a lot <laughs> I, th I thought i was gonna say every, the people that smoke constantly <laughs> yeah well there's that too <laughs> yeah but, no you know, it's 50s. catchy but yeah after the third time you hear it i'm like no can we have a different song too <laughs> it, it, it's the song called look for a star yeah um it actually was a hit pop recording in great britain yep. and the u.s uh and so it, it did actually become, when the movie came out, it actually did hit the charts. And it's called Look for a Star. And it was the only thing, and it's the only thing I wish they hadn't had in there because I was enjoying it. I'm like, yeah, this is still the 58, you know, 1958. This is still, and then she starts doing her performance and this 60s song comes off. Yeah. kind of easy listening type and i'm just like ah yeah it's it's Alyssa's you know music that she performs to and yeah it's 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 not a bad song by any no, means, but no. it's just the fact that you hear it through they're very clearly getting their money's worth out of this song <laughs> they play it at least three times during the movie and it clearly is the only thing that is out of place because it is totally not from the era no <laughs> no that's that's that sounds like a late 50s pop song. 
Does it really? I, a, a late fifties English pop song? I would say so. Yeah. I'll see it. I never. I but maybe no. because it was so similar to uh, early that, to late sixties type songs. It, that I, it, it's a not. It's like a non. It's like a non rock song. You got to remember though too. Like there's that period. One there's like a, a a pop scene in Britain that was a little different in the late fifties than it was in America. And then okay. once you get to the once you get to the point where like Buddy Holly's dead, and uh, you know like Chuck Berry's in jail and Elvis right. is in, in the army, there's that period even in American pop, where pop rock, if you will, where you get your and no offense to any you know Paul Anka and guys like that, where it's very. It's more poppy than Rocky, the the Fabians, the right. De, the Dion's, and everything. It's very much in that style to me. Mm -hmm. So it didn't take me out of it because I'm like, yeah, it's one of those songs. It's it's a Cliff Richard. It's a what? It's one of those dudes, you know. And, I and guess, that said, if I find this on 45, I'm buying it. I ain't gonna lie. I won't <laughs> listen to it necessarily, but I'm gonna buy a copy. I ain't. Hell yeah! And well, I will show it to you, and you'll be like, dude, did you get me one? <laughs> You only had the one. <laughs> I, I get it. I may not listen to it, but I get it. I have it because it came from this movie. It's a soundtrack, so we got it has the yeah, thing. Yes, that's right. But I, I guess you're right. I guess for me, that style of song, since I've watched, uh, you know, it, I it read of a different era for you. It read of a different era yeah. because that's the type of song that you heard in those mid hippie type oh. films. Okay that came out you know started to come out in the mid 60s in that the sure the, you know the song that this is a horror you know those type of horror movies where there's people are going to be just totally ripped to shreds by italian zombies or something <laughs> but the opening theme song sounds like something from a romance movie mm -hmm. you know light okay. airy and so when i heard this i'm like oh you know because it, it felt just like one of those songs to where like especially italian horror the early yeah. you know like this, black lace or the whip in the body right yeah. you know where it, this movie is going to be about people getting whipped to death but before that here's Let's, this airy light pop song that sounds like it's from mamas and the papas and you're like <laughs> yeah <"What the> <laughs> you know? that's why i love those movies because i'm just like this song does not fit this movie at all <laughs> but for so, them it did you know for us yeah, for them at the time but i mean so you know i've seen enough of those to where when i heard this i would i kind of equated that I'm like ah okay yeah 19 1960s yeah i see where you're coming from not you know, a problem. so so that's where it kind of caught me a little i mean it not enough to take me out of the film because i think the film was really well made surprisingly and, and very enjoyable quite a bit you know yes, yes. um it, it would, but it was just still one of those things where, I'm like, where oh, like, there's the date. There, oh, <laughs> there. oh, they're starting the song again. Oh, there it, it is. It took me a while, but it, it, as much as it's the same, it sounds exactly the same every time. Yeah. It looks like they have a band in the corner that's playing it. Yeah. Well, and she even mentions, are to, they that good where they can note for note do it every time? They're exactly the same. That's impressive. I, I'm starting to think they had to because you know we're working on limited budget, so maybe they did record it. No, it was definitely record, but like the circus has. Well, the circus, yeah, record. yeah, you're right. The circus you, you, contextually yeah. in the film, you know. Oh yes, uh, it has its own band, which you're like, because oh. because they're up there too when uh, they're doing the the was it the Helen of Troy stage? 
you, you got the band too. Yeah, they've got their own band. <laughs> no, that's the circus. I, I would expect a circus probably would. Yeah, but it, uh, I mean, I haven't been to a circus in with forever, a pop singer though. You know, you just <laughs> that's the part that seems a little odd at this point. Yeah. Who's the, who's the pop star that's touring with a circus? You know. <laughs> And then you also get though we mostly most of the stuff is contained within the big top and some other scenes. We do get the scene that just adds a whole nother layer of creepy though to the circus, and they throw it in there, I think, on purpose to show you just what Schuler has done. They have this odd scene where people they're living dioramas oh yeah 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 the 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 was it the, the theater of beauty or theater of beauty to something where, like that yeah where these people are taking tours and you've got a guy who's kind of giving them like a tour guide and they've got these booths with titles above them that uh have curtains and then they draw the curtains as he gives his little prezo and they're live models that are trying their best to stand still that's not easy dude <laughs> and that's not easy i know a living statue that's not easy <laughs> yeah and that's the thing though is that's all it is and it yeah. was the creepiest thing and it's so simple but i'm just like this really has this macabre feel <laughs> but dude it's an anti-sideshow it is it is that's what the, that's the sideshow you would expect from a circus but he made it pretty because he wants everything perfect you know pretty, i can yeah. make everybody look pretty yeah, so it, it it's it is it's creepy in a way, but it makes. I bet you those were real too. That's the thing. Those were probably not something they made up for this. No, I imagine they probably did did have those type of things where they had uh, living statue type folks. Yeah, uh, I know a couple the, people that do that. Which you know, but considering within the context of the film, it just added another oh. level of creepy to the circus. Going, what the hell else did they? <laughs> oh yeah, no, it it totally fits into. Rossiter and Rossiter slash Schuler's whole craziness and, you know, not having, you know, the bearded lady and stuff like mm -hmm. that, having someone being Adam and Eve and having somebody being Helen of Troy and, you know, these pretty people from history type gimmick. Yeah, no, that fits his mentality. Definitely. Yeah. And that's the thing. His circus was made up of people you don't expect to see in the circus. And that was his his hook i think um yeah outside of the clowns you know but well yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> some, it was that was one part they're very talented and one part man that that's an attractive ladies they got a lots of attractive ladies let's go see that circus honey <laughs> want to go see the circus they're talented well, very talented I mean, none, talking, of, none of them can drown <laughs> We're talking about 1958 when it was supposed to be the circus, you know, yeah, yes, years yeah. later. so you're going to have that because you have the conservative uh, lifestyle, not only in the U.S., but there was in Britain, too, especially. I mean, oh, the yeah. Brits had it for ages. So, you know, you would have them go to circus so they could. You get that weird thrill. Yes. Yeah. By still being good, quote unquote, and still being conservative. Well, we went to the circus to see the people. Never mind what's going on in your brain while you're watching the people. Yeah. But and, the and circus people are circus people. We don't mingle with the circus people. We just go and see the show. You no, know, yeah, that's totally what yeah. that vibe would have been. Yeah, I expect. Ne never mind. You're trying to figure out what outfit 
I'm just, I'm like, that outfit's not appropriate for riding a horse, but you it know, was... <laughs> or, or being on a, uh, no, that's what it was. Uh, Magda outfit when she was on the spitted wheel for the knife act. I, I, I saw that. I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> circus circuits outfits have always been kind of sassy. So yeah, it, I'm not, it did, it fit, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, did they have double back tape back in the 50s? Because I could see that being very necessary. <laughs> right? Uh, I know it, that's a thing. <laughs> it, well, yeah, it, it definitely is. It, it, now, it, at least. I don't know about then. But, but yeah. uh, it just surprised me when she, she pulled the role. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, because I at that point, I'm an audience member. Because that's the way they they do this film so well is you they put you right in the audience. So... Yeah. You know, I'm sitting there in 1958 and she reveals her outfit. And I'm just like, man, if this was 1958, it'd be really like, whoa, <laughs> be like, holy crap. Young man, I'm going to have to explain to you what's going on right now. Yeah, turn, exactly. turn, turn to your boy. Boy, <laughs> just watch the knives. Don't don't watch the ladies spinning around. Yeah, just don't watch the ladies spinning around. Especially so. if that boob falls out. <laughs> I don't I'll think keep, that, you watch the knives. I'll keep an eye on the lady. Make sure I'll, she's safe. I'll make sure her clothing stays on. I don't yes. think the boob's going to drop out. It might drop out, but I don't think the boob's going to drop out. It may no. not drop out, but it could. Right, drop no, out. If there's going to be a wardrobe malfunction, I'll 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 monitor that. For I'll you. cover your eyes. Yes. Jim, don't don't Jim. don't look don't look, young man. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> you know th this film. I love finding movies like this. You know, and it's interesting because I think you growing up or, or, you know, you when you watch certain films and you read certain books and that, you don't realize that from these eras of the late 50s, early 60s and that, that you actually had some of these movies that um, were, you know, <laughs> a little more deviant yes. at the time. You know, I, we had the conversation one other time where it was like, it's black and white. So if you watch enough movies, especially growing up in the way I was raised that the black and white movies were always fairly clean cut. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you, you know what I mean? Though? So you go pre-code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you don't know any of that, but no, I mean, they didn't play the pre-code ones when we were kids on TV anyway. So what difference does it make? Right. I yeah. mean, it's, so it's all you see is the nice, the quote unquote, nice ones. Yeah. You you see all the popular ones because that's what your parents watch. So you're watching those, and you know, especially if you grow up early, like I did on them, and my dad and my grandparents always showing me the classics. You know, constantly all these. You're like, oh, love scenes. They're gonna cut away. Oh, they're, they're oh, you know, the most you're gonna see her is in a robe that covered it. Okay, yeah, they're gonna and, kiss really deeply, and then they're gonna cut. Yeah, yeah, and then you get something like what Beast of Yucca Flats, which has a topless. You know. This one was close. I, I'm wondering if there's an internet, you know, like a continental version where there's a little bit more going on in that shower scene. Yeah, the shower scene surprised me, and then there's the, like, then there's a scene where he's with uh, Melina, and yeah, and he's making out and he's undoing her bra and stuff, and the bra is like gravity is holding that thing on. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's just turned away from the camera enough where there's nothing, you know, on display. He's just rubbing her back. But, but, and, and then there's that moment where he has to leave and she turns over and I'm like, whoa, okay. 
you know, like, nothing happened, but it was like, I was kind of like, is something going to happen? Should, should I not be paying attention now? Should I turn <laughs> away? Young lady, what is going on? It, it's borderline for that time. You know, it's so. It was sassy. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was definitely had some sauce to it for sure. And you're just like, your brain, you know, you I'm don't gonna... realize, but then you think about it. You're like, no, there were a, probably a lot of movies that were <laughs> a lot more borderline. And especially for this being British. I wonder if this was rated X back in the day or if it was because X in, in it, that it was like, just, you know, it was like RR essentially yeah. now it's, it wasn't like, you know, we consider like X or triple X to be something pornographic X. If I remember correctly, was like, there are no kids. Yeah. yeah. You have to be in it. That's why the hammer film X, the unknown is, 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 you know, if it was like a deep horror movie, they were still just bringing those back in, in the late, you know, fifties for Britain. Mm -hmm. So like the, the, the quater mass experiment and X, the unknown, they were very definitely referencing that. <laughs> rating when they made when they named these films to kind of go ha this one's going to be hard man you're going to want to watch you know is you know kind of go like hey we got another friday the 13th it's going to be it's going to be skeevy you want to come watch this you know? yeah <laughs> you know it's like it was basically a, a, a hint to the audience dude you want to see this one this one's going to be serious you're going to see some gnarly stuff <laughs> yeah and uh I, yeah, I've, I've, I'm wondering if there's a different cut. Uh, I'm just looking really quick. Because uh, I've got a couple of uh, British films from this general time period where, mm -hmm. you know, kind of you would hear the stories reading books, you know, when people couldn't compare things. Oh, they're supposedly this. They're supposedly that. Um, I don't know if I, I think I lent that to my buddy forever ago. I never got it back. There's a movie called The Flesh and the Fiends that's uh, based on the Burke and Hare uh, grave robber stuff. There's a normal or, or the British version on a continental version. It's basically like, okay, we go into the tavern and everybody's having a good time. And you go into the tavern on the continental version and all the ladies don't have a shirt on. Um, <laughs> uh, I think the Jack the Ripper one that I got that's like late 50s too has got something similar where it's like there's just like a couple extras, you know, sets of film here. You know, well, yeah, that too. Uh, <laughs> That one's got, but that set's got like three different versions of the film on it. And I still got to watch two oh. of them. So it's it's like, here's the US version. Here's the UK version. Here's the continental version. But I'm watching the continental version first, friends. Uh, let's and, get right to the sassy one and go downhill from there. But oh. so they did exist. You know, a lot of those cuts that we, we just were rumored for years are now starting to pop up on uh, some of these home video because they're digging them out of vaults and they're finding them and they're, they're proving that they existed. So it wouldn't shock me if like, you know, one of those fun little sub labels that we talk about picks this up and says, here it is. Funny. You should mention that. That's why I love these classical films because the IMDB info is usually a little more accurate. Mm. Um, according to Ibim, uh, a shot of the throne knife hitting Magda's neck was actually filmed, Ooh. but not, mm. but cut by the distributors in post-production upon BBFC request. That would be, yeah, the British board of film classification. Film, uh, yes. Yeah. Despite the film's brutal theme, the only UK censor cuts to the finished print 
was the removal of visible topless female nudity during two of these sideshow scenes. The footage has never resurfaced in any print of the film and unfortunately may no longer exist. So there was... Or at the very least, is not known to exist. Right. Some guy has it in his basement, probably. <laughs> no. Well, we make jokes, but that's possible. It's possible. Well, for again, and not to, you know, like, hey, I can't wait till we find this. It's just, you know, in general, because film history and things for decades, decades, there was the, Hey, the Japanese print of what we call horror of Dracula in America, just the first hammer Dracula has extra sequences in it. Right. Yeah, sure. Nobody can prove it. There was no pictures. It was just always a story. Mm -hmm. Half the, half the print that's in the Japanese like main film library where it's been protect, you know, they've kept that print for, for decades, got damaged by water forever ago. They've only got like the last half. It took like in the last maybe even five years where somebody finally got access to it and and they went, yep, that's got like a minute and a half more footage in it. <laughs> wow. And that's why I have a region two copy of that film because that has, they, they, they have that cut back into it mm-hmm. and you go, well, what's a few seconds, meh, what's that going to do? <sighs> It's part of it's the disintegration at the end, though. Oh, geez. So there, there was there was a rumor go. Oh yeah, there's a scene where like his hand comes up and claws his face off, and you go, yeah, sure, whatever. No, that's there, <laughs> and it's cool. <laughs> and I went, I watch. I'm like, oh, this is good. I'm like, okay, that bit's there. That's new, I think. And this, bit, oh, I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, no, that's actually really neat. It's- and it's that weird moment where you go, I just watch something that has been hidden mm-hmm. for. 60 years yeah and up until recently nobody saw you know it was sitting comfortably in a vault and every year they would take it out and somebody would check the film was safe and they'd put it back in the vault nobody would watch it so you don't know when this is going to show up you don't know what any you know they're still finding all because now there is this you know movement towards hey what do we actually have or they're they're trying they're making you know with all the streaming services with all you even so with DVD and Blu-ray all this stuff just keep they keep digging and finding and digging and finding where you never know what they're going to actually uncover so it's in, entirely believable if somebody maintained this at some point it's entirely possible it'll pop back up again or well, maybe yeah. it won't and does it matter no because it's still a fine film without it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It's it's still a good film, but it's great to have those extra bits. And you know, with digital the way it is, you can take, you know, you can have a brick on your desk, and you could have all the extra footage and bits you want transferred to it, and that's how much it's going to be stored. So they could do this now as well yeah. with the with the digital restoring and that because storage is hella cheap and it's a lot less shelf space. So if these films do die out, you still got the footage in multiple copies, probably, you know, and it's, uh, it will look at Metropolis. Yeah. Look at Metropolis, how everybody thought the one cut, the one print was all that there was left. 
and then someone found a little bit of footage in someone's i forgot basement there, I, think, I think somebody in brazil in I th it was brazil, somewhere in south america so if it's not brazil i apologize i forget the story then right he just kind of raised his hand and went that's not the version i have <laughs> there was a there's another silent film too I, I i it's one of the buster keatons and i was just listening to it and i forget which one it is it's the i don't think it's the general but it's another one of buster keaton's main films where um not the railroader i uh, i forget which one it is offhand we're basically just this dude like kind of raised his hand and sent an email to somebody going that the, the version you put out it's not the version i have anyway or he just kind of didn't read the you know he had to like finally they communicated again like years later sometimes this stuff takes forever for somebody to figure out and then they go I I no, we've got a print down here that's got different footage in it. And it runs a different length. It, it was ugh, crap. I wish I could remember the name of which Buster Keaton film it was, because now I'm sure it was that. It was a deal where the guy in South America had like the original cut mm -hmm. of one of these films and like the version that they had found in France or what have you was like a, a different version. There was like a an early cut of it. And then he tested it and he went, eh, that's not working. This isn't working and recut some of it. And that's the version we had like the original version, not the recut version. He had like the new version, the one that actually got circulated. It was crazy. Right. And, and again, this happens with silent film, film that's almost a hundred years old, if not more than a hundred years old now, where we go, oh, there's no way such and such is, and they find it. Mm -hmm. We never, you know, until somebody actually looks in some, they have a, uh, which one is, it? I think they've done like six or seven of them. Now they have a yearly event in the library of Congress called mostly lost. Okay. And what they do is they go here, we have this chunk of film. It doesn't have titles anymore. So we don't know what it is. And they fill the audience at the at this theater in the Library of Congress with people, and it's basically they what they they're inclined you know, they tell them to do. If there's anything that you see that looks familiar, anything that would be a clue to help identify this, shout it out. Right. So if like a car goes by and somebody goes, "Oh, that's a 1921 Oldsmobile," blah 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 blah. You know that right. any little bit of piece that'll help them, and that's what they do. And they they keep putting back together bits and pieces of our film history this way mm -hmm. and it's insane that that's there's still all this unidentified or unchecked you know because from our perspective as a you know as a consumer if you will especially i think people that are less tied to film than we mm -hmm. are somebody who's a, a much more casual you know, where they just go, oh, you know, they're on, and I'm not trying to degrade anybody. If I say it like this, I'm not trying to be mean. If you, you just have Netflix and you have a couple of DVDs at home and you just watch stuff and you're happy, you, you probably think that everything that's in a vault is identified and digitized and restored. And why is it not just ready to look at? And then you start seeing how, you know, money is involved and how people don't know what they have and, you know, even when they know what they have, it takes forever to repatriate things. You know, hey, there's a vault in Italy that has a copy of this film. Okay, we can get a copy of it. Sure, we'll get you a copy of it. And six years later, they get a copy of it. It's 
insane how these little bits and pieces can get tucked away anywhere. So who knows if this exists or not? We we it may never for this film. We'll probably get a Blu-ray at the end of the year. Not that we've, <laughs> talk, we've spent fifteen minutes talking about this, but no, no, we, we've kind of this is this is how I spend a lot of you know this is this is how I spend a lot of my time watching, reading, and going. Okay, what what just popped up here and. You know who's finding this and what vault did this get dug out of and hey we've got we've got these nice restored george millet films that are 120 30 years old this is part of what i do i mean that's well that's like metropolis though nine you know mm -hmm. that, that movie is practically a hundred years old and they like doubled the runtime on that film they right? they just recently i was just reading up on it they thought the final print which uh I love the soundtrack to it. I saw it at the Oriental Theater. I totally admit because my dad used to take me to all, see all the weird shit that they played there in the 80s. Excellent. And, and I saw the uh, 84 the version of George, Metropolis. Yeah. George Maroder uh, scored version? Yeah. Yeah. The George Maroder scored version, which was supposed to at that time, one of the big deals, if I remember reading up on it, I may be off with it. It had a few just extra bits of footage they had found uh, right. included in it. They had found like just a few extra minutes of footage. And now I was just, uh, while you were uh, talking and I was listening, I, was, I, I wanted to look up in 2008 mm -hmm. in Buenos Aires. Oh, Argentina. Okay. Or Argentina. It was in South America. I was wrong. I thought it was Brazil, but it's Argentina. Yeah. They found a near complete cut. Mm-hmm. Of the entire movie for the first time in 2008. And it runs like what, two and a half, three hours or something crazy? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. Well, because that, that film is huge and, and we may do yeah. a spoiler run, uh, room on it sometime. But I just, you were talking about that. I'm like, yeah, they discovered some guy goes uh, in 2008. They're like, holy shit. And then there's supposedly another cut that is one complete cut uh, that they found later on that survived some war. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that's in a check vault. Yeah. Because that was the last stop in the distribution mm -hmm. area at the time. It's, it's where they're fighting, you know, where it, it's, it's similar to, um, how they found, how, how, how they found the, uh, um, brain doctor who, uh, enemy of the world and most of web of fear. Oh, sure. A few years ago. Cause they, managed to stumble on the the this gentleman that's uh done some digging around phil morris actually visited some of these spots and he was like oh okay well we've tracked this to this spot and then once he gets to that country they're like well once we got it into this country it rotated like this and he's like oh okay well where is oh it's here on this shelf <laughs> because that's where it stopped Instead of it going anywhere else or getting destroyed or anything, it just stopped there and nobody cared. So it just sat for 40, 50 years. And that's the same thing. Cause I think that Argentinian vault where they found the metropolis is where I'm thinking it's the same place where they found the Buster Keaton footage I was talking about. Yeah. So a lot of this stuff until somebody goes, Oh, wait a minute. Nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> And they're still digging stuff out of this vault and that vault and going, okay, we've had this thing sitting here for that's 
yeah. I mean, especially back then, but, someone mislabels something, somebody just tosses it in a can because they aren't going to bother with it or, yeah, you know. L Laurel and Hardy Battle of the Century. I'm going to try and keep this short. For there's only a handful of Laurel and Hardy footage that's missing. The only short that's currently missing is Hats Off. And then there's a, a film that they, a long firm that they appear in is Rogue's Story. Rogue Song? Rogue Song. That they have cameos in. Battle of the Century was considered to be the, the, the best pie fight in movie history. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. for decades, all that was known to exist was the footage that, um, uh, I forget his name. There was a, uh, damn, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but there was yeah. a gentleman in the 50s that would take silent film and cut it down. He made like these compilation films. Uh, sure. Robert Ferguson, Youngston, Robert Youngston, I think. Mm -hmm. so and that was the only footage we had was the cut down version of real two from battle of the century and it's most of the pie fight but not all of it and then in the 70s they found most of real one so we had 75 percent of the film so a few you know the, the way the story goes there was this uh collector film collector thousands of film reels he passes away his family sells it off to a couple of other collectors and this gentleman takes possession of most of this. And he's looking at the film cans and kind of sorts it out, you know, because this is not what he does all day. Right. You know, he, he has other things to do. So he's going through, he, he kind of triaged him going, okay, I'm going to check everything before I get rid of it. If I want to get rid of it, but he picked like, okay, these are the ones I'm going to keep. These are the ones I might keep. These are the ones I'm going to sell ever, you know, blah. These are easy to find. Nobody, everybody has a copy of Psycho on film, blah, I'll just sell them. <laughs> So he sees the label and he sees Battle of the Century and he goes, eh, that'll be the cut down version of Real 2 from the thing. I'll look at it later. Years go by, two, three years go by before he has a chance to open it up and look at it. Sure. He starts watching it and he's mostly kind of checking to make sure it plays and make sure the splices are intact and it's playing out and he goes, that part doesn't look right. <laughs> this seems to be, I don't remember this part. But it's the pie fight. I don't remember that either. Huh. And then he gets to the end and he looks at the, you know, because he's yeah. thinking it's going to be this cut down version that everybody else has. Apparently, at some point, the collector who passed away that he bought it from got the safety reel <laughs> from Robert Youngster, that Robert Youngster yeah. made of the second reel to make the film from, you know, the cut down version. And it got passed along and nobody looked at it for years <laughs> because they all assumed it was the cut down all, version. Because he, he, he was just in his collection. He didn't have a chance to check it. And finally, this guy looks at it and goes, huh, that's longer than I remember. <laughs> well, UCLA has been restoring the Laurel and Hardys. I'll check with them. And he goes, hey, you know, UCLA, I've got this thing. And they go, yeah, okay. And he didn't, <laughs> he didn't get a response. And right. he went, oh. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everybody has this. And he ends like a, and then another year or so after that, he's at a convention or at a showing or something like that. And somebody's talking about it and he goes, no, I have that full reel. And, and the audience goes, <gasps> <laughs> and he went, wait, what? <laughs> and he's, and then he, they, he said again, I have this thing. And, and then all of a sudden people went, oh. We misunderstood <laughs> <laughs> and it's 
so now it's like 95% complete as opposed to the sure. 75 or whatever from before. There's like a two minute sequence at the end of real one that's missing. Oh, yeah. So, and they cover that with, you know, some dialogue and sure. you know, just a little noise and some pictures because they have pictures of it. And it's like, but it sat there in someone's <laughs> collection for decades, decades. Yeah. because nobody knew it was there. Yeah, and that's going to keep happening for a while as kind of things transition and turn over. So who knows what we're going to find yeah. in the next couple of years? As and maybe people... there is there is a naughty cut of the circus of horrors out there. So yeah, who knows? I guess, I guess that's the short yeah. version of what we're trying. To <laughs> now that we've discussed this for 15, 20 minutes, the yeah, end summary of this whole conversation has been. Hi, welcome to a, film history. Sorry. <laughs> there may be a naughty No, I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> I, your warehouse of knowledge is, is extensive and I love it. Yeah. Uh, but we are going to wrap it up here for the night. Uh, so uh, I hope everyone uh, seeks this film out and, and takes a look, especially if you're looking for some interesting classic horror films, because uh, this is a horror thriller um that i think you should check out because it really has a more modern feel to it for the time that it was made and it's tight it's it's only 90 some minutes and i think you'll enjoy it um and yeah so so seek it out and now this is where doctavius here can tell you about the things uh, that he does when he's not uh talking to us so doc uh, go ahead license to shill Okay. Um, so last week we started season five of Shakespeare raw and we did, we started with Hamlet and it was pretty awesome. Even with the car accident that stopped people from showing up on Monday. Oh. Um, no, it was still a good crowd. It just wasn't. Yeah. It was that sad moment where we're like, start to see where it's, no, everything went well. Um, there are, the way we cut that play down, there are only two female characters in it. <laughs> I played both. Hey, good job. I had to be Ophelia and Queen Gertrude. It was Ooh. delightful. <laughs> um, no, it was a lot of work, dude. I, it was that it. weird moment where I I was like being very serial. Yeah. Um, the uh, the other side to this is to for. The last few years, we have played Monday through Wednesday at Best Place in the Pabst Brewery area of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we still do that, and it's still a beautiful thing, and we love being there, and we love the fact that they haven't kicked us out yet. Um, on the other hand, uh, we have this year now added another show during the course of that week. Ooh. So not only, not only do we have Monday through Wednesday, but we have a Friday show at Hawthorne Coffee Roasters on the south side of Milwaukee because they have a large back room and they think that we're kind of keen. Um, that's and we, awesome. And we think they're keen too. So that's that was where I was Gertrude. Um, so you have four chances now to watch our program, our show. And in April, uh, we will be doing Taming of the Shrew. We're going to try and make this as non problematic as possible for the modern audience, considering the context. <laughs> What? And um, <laughs> I am working desperately to find what that those dates are because I didn't pull them up because I was unprepared. Oh, I am. Um, but otherwise, the easiest thing to do, because I'm not going to find them in two seconds, is to go to Boozy Bar Productions on Facebook, and we will have the event there, and you can find out what those dates are. It's, I 
the 15th through the 17th at Best Place. That's the Monday through the Wednesday, and then the 19th at Hawthorne Coffee Roasters. Um, we also have we have the Facebook, we have the YouTube at Boozy Bar Productions, where very slowly we're putting up some footage of the shows, uh, some footage of Brian Bear's parody songs that he does for us. Uh, Brian is a very talented individual in his own right as opposed to not you know when he's just playing for us and then doing songs he's a songsmith he likes to do parody versions of songs for our shows if we have four shows he will write four songs so he's our he's our weird al if you nice. will um he also is part of uncle fergus's magic whiskey band which is playing this weekend they played tonight i didn't go because i'm here Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, 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 no. All is well. I'll probably no, go. I have I'll probably go to, I'm going to go tomorrow after the oh, wrestling, probably. Okay. Um, they perform pop songs as the Irish drinking songs that they were always meant to be. Uh, <laughs> so they also are on the Facebook, and there's some footage up there. So if you're like, what does he mean by that? It's What I mean by that is you'll be listening to a song and go, these words seem familiar, and you'll get to the chorus and you'll go, oh, that's a Taylor Swift song. Oh. <laughs> That's Freebird. Oh, but it sounds like a jig. So nice. if that sounds appealing to you in, in St. Patrick's Day weekend, you need to go check that out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Doctavius, uh, for talking with me tonight on this interesting film that, again, was just a random pick because I was like, what's an older film about plastic surgery? And I was surprised to find one as way back as 1960. And I'm like, ah. Oh. Check that out. And I'm glad I did because uh, this is a lot of fun. And it's one I could see me watching again. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad you were here to talk about it. And now I think we'll just say good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. I will count the good nights. One, one good night. Uh, 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 uh. Two, two good nights. Uh. <laughs> Hey, all my friends out there looking for more spoiler room goodness? Then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive spoiler room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the spoiler room, as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support, and remember in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies. <laughs> <laughs>